Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. This episode is with Yvette Gonzalez Nasser, who is one of the fates in Hades Town and part of the Broadway Busker series that's being produced this year by the Times Square Alliance, uh, completely virtually in quarantine. Yvette, thank you again, if you're listening, for the conversation that we had. I, I don't remember if we said this while we were still recording or not, but I feel like we're kindred spirits in a way. We're very, very similar people, and we we have never met before this conversation, and we were just talking like like we've known each other forever. It was such a, a, a wonderful feeling for, for me, and she said for her afterwards as well, just to be able to have like a real conversation in the midst of all of this sort of isolation and loneliness that we're going through in the middle of this quarantine. When she smiles, her whole face smiles. She's just one of those people that you want to continue to talk to. She's a multifaceted person who always wants to grow, always wants to learn. And we actually talked about this and bonded over it, that, that we need to be happy in the moment, but we still want to continue imagining one step further. She imagines herself as sort of a form of, of meditation, one step farther in her life and her career so she can be emotionally prepared for that growth when it comes. I think it's very admirable and and something that we all should try. And as always, before we get into the episode, find me online at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and the Twitters on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating. Please send a review. I love reading the reviews. Show your support so I can keep transcriptions going. I want to make sure these episodes are as accessible as possible for everybody. So show your support at ttp.fm slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And now everybody, please, please, please enjoy this episode as much as I did with Yvette Gonzalez Nasser. My guest today is a true multi-hyphenate, having found success as a Broadway actress, recording artist, and a TV and film star. You've seen her as Cha-Cha in Grease Live, Vanessa in the first Broadway national tour of In the Heights, and in the Emmy award-winning TV series, The Fresh Beat Band, and Madam Secretary. She's also starred in stage productions like West Side Story, Much Ado About Nothing, Three Modivas, Recently, she added voiceover artists to her resume as she voiced the role of Phyllis on Goldie and Bear, as well as Kiki on Nick Jr.'s The Fresh Beat Band of Spies. And once Broadway returns, you can catch her on the Broadway stage as one of the fates in Hades Town. She is now part of the Broadway Busker concert series produced virtually this year by the Times Square Alliance. Yvette Gonzalez Nasser, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here with you. <laughs> Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. It was so awesome. I was like clapping <laughs> inside. <laughs> so you were telling me before we started recording that it's a it's a Lebanese name that was given a Spanish pronunciation. Is that right? Well, yeah. So my family were from Cuba, but my ancestors come from Lebanon and Spain. And when the Lebanese side came to Cuba, they changed the spelling of Nasser from N-A-S-S-E-R to N-A-C-E-R, which is, yeah, a Cuban word. So I guess it was like the Cuban spelling <laughs> and it means to be born. So that's kind oh, that's of That's so cool. Yeah. 
That is very cool. And I guess you, probably people mispronounce it as Nacer all the time. Oh, I get everything. Yeah. One time, actually, my favorite pronunciation of basically messing up every part of my name was Yevity Gonzalez Knacker. <laughs> Yevity? <laughs> I always remember that because I was like, there's no way that really happened, but it really happened. <laughs> I, had, I had another friend who's named Yvette, and, and she said that people often say, why vet? Yeah. Why vet? Yvette. That's fine. Oh, it's happy, Yvette. Just because yeah. there's a Y, it's confusing. I get it. But. I guess. Uh, reading's hard. Reading's hard. Reading, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you did, So you are Cuban-American, right? So is, um, are your parents both uh, Cuban or how, what's, what's the heritage? What's the childhood? Oh, yeah. Well, my, my dad came from Havana, Cuba, my mom from Santiago, and then they met in Miami and I was born in Miami. And I have two sisters and a big Cuban family and, you know... Lots of cousins and that whole thing. So that's that's basically that. <laughs> well, what got you into music then? When did you start performing? I think my formal introduction was younger than I thought. I thought it was at three. I took violin lessons with my sisters when I was three. But it turns out my mom um, had gone to this uh, institute of higher learning or whatever to try and figure out the best way to raise kids. Or it was for human potential, I think it was. And, um, and she found that it was important to teach you know kids an instrument or something like that so she figured the violin was small enough to work with versus like a tuba or something like that and she made a cardboard <laughs> little violin out of like grocery bags and a piece of wood and so when we were one and a half she made this little violin so we could figure out how to hold it and how to stand and it was really cool like I, I don't know and then when I was three I started taking lessons and it was called the Suzuki method, which is for young kids to learn music. So we yeah. did that and I played in a youth orchestra and yeah, music was just a part of my life for a very long time. Well, it still is. <laughs> so. That's, that's great. Did you play with your siblings too? Or I mean, yeah. were you, or were we just always sort of like indie solo sort of thing? No, we all took lessons and, um, well, one of my sisters still plays, um, but the other one kind of dropped off. Of, you know, she kind of stopped doing music, but we all sang and played. And at one point we were taking a little guitar and piano and just there was always music in the house. And we were always pretty active together and we do concerts and matching outfits. So it was like that whole thing. <laughs> well, when you were when you were a kid and someone would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you have an answer that or oh, when did yeah. you know you had an answer? Well, I had, I've always had an answer. I wanted to do so many things though. I wanted to be a figure skater, which really, is really hard. Cause in Miami, there was one ice rink and it was like an <laughs> hour away. So it was like a really hard dream to accomplish. Um, although I tried my best on rollerblades, it just wasn't, you know, the same. Um, but I wanted to be a figure skater. I wanted to be an animator. Um, I wanted to be president <laughs> and I wanted to be a singer and an actor. Like I always loved doing that. Um, what was the question? Like, when did I first know I wanted to do it? Well, I said, what, it, what did you, when did you know you had an answer to the question, what do you want to be when you grew up? And sort of, I was leading to when did you know that you wanted to be a performer? But side note, rollerblades need to make a comeback. I love me some rollerblades. I'm about to get some rollerblades. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. I know. Here, like, here in New York, I think it's great. Um, but the, being an <laughs> animator, this is, that's a new one for me. I... I, I love that. And I actually think, you know, we were just talking about, you know, the, the engineering side versus creativity for my fiber optic wall behind me here right before we started yeah. recording. And I was like, I think that so many people, artists, so many artists, especially like successful on Broadway, they're, they're, 
brains like we're kind of hardwired, you're driven, you keep going and you want to have as much creativity as you can in terms of, of creating as well. And so being an animator totally falls in line with that, at least in my mind, because you're able to literally put pen to paper in yeah. some form or another, or, you know, mouse click to screen, whatever it is now in today's technology and create these new things with music and pictures and, and oh, yeah. all of that. That's so true. I mean, for me, animation actually, I think it came up because when I was, in elementary school, I was two years younger than everybody. So I got bullied and I got really shy and I was kind of a loner. And so I found like when I wasn't doing music, cause you know, you're in school. So maybe that's not really an option. I would just find myself drawing all the time. And then I just was like, Oh, this is great. And I could do it. And, and then kids would see that I was drawing and I was like almost showing off and then they'd come and gather around. <laughs> so it was my way of kind of like, still performing and still like expressing myself and and then I just really liked it and I would draw comics and yeah I just feel like a lot of artists we find ourselves expressing ourselves in so many different ways you know whether it's tech like you were saying or just different mediums and art and I, I think it's so beautiful like we don't have to be just one thing and the idea is to create whatever's in your heart to create at that moment you know right right that's very true and very beautiful, actually. The, very eloquent the way you said it is that we don't have to be one thing. And uh, especially right now in, in COVID times and quarantine, we're all working mostly out of the same rooms if we're working at all. You know, some of us are fortunate and some of us are, are less in that respect. And the work can come to you because of technology, right? Mm -hmm. So you can sit in your in your apartment wherever you are are you are you in the city now still or did I'm you actually yeah I'm on the east side I'm the east coast still I'm actually in New Jersey oh really yeah and I love it here I was actually I moved at the beginning of the year and it's there's trees everywhere and it's you can see the city it's so close to the city but you're not in the city so it's kind of a lovely balance <laughs> so at least like you didn't you didn't move back to in with the parents or anything there there's no. like tony nominees tony winners who are just you know back with their parents now just because there's nothing to do saving some money mm, yeah no i mean I, I would have loved to actually um just to see them but i think uh they're very practical in that regard you're like no you did stay there you know like <laughs> or maybe they're scared i have it and i'm gonna get them sick and no, i'm just kidding <laughs> no that's my really? parents really? I wanna go, yeah i want to go see my parents my mom's like no no you're not coming <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to take, I actually booked a film and I'm going to be shooting it in October and it shoots in, uh, in Orlando. And so that's pretty close to Miami. So it actually, we wrapped the day before my birthday. So oh, wow. I'm be like, you have to see me. It's my birthday. <laughs> and just like force a family hang. Well, that's actually, that's a really interesting. Um, I, I want to put a pin in that and come back to it. Book okay. the film, but go back to the original the original part of our conversation where you're like, at what point in your age did you realize you wanted to perform? Um, I feel like I've always been performing. Like I think because we were, um, you know, taking violin and, and doing violin concerts and little recitals and things like that. And I was always writing plays for my sisters to be in and that kind of thing. Um, and I just, I don't know when I, when I realized, I remember when I saw the Phantom of the Opera that was uh, my first experience seeing a musical live. And I was just like blown away by the costumes and the music and just the whole experience of it. And I remember like leaving the theater floating on air, like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Um, so it might've been then. Um, it's very possible. But um, 
I don't know. I just, I think every time I had the opportunity to perform in front of anybody, I just remember feeling like really happy and really like at home and just like confident, you know, and maybe I wasn't confident in the rest of my life, but when I was performing, I was like, I got this, you know, like I remember doing a little guitar recital uh, with my older sister and I don't know if she was nervous or not, but I remember thinking, don't worry, we're going to do a good job. Like I'll, I'll take care of it. Like I just wanted to, I just felt really comfortable doing it. And it was always fun. Um, I don't know, just like sharing music with people. So I'm going to give you a number. I'm going to say I was seven, <laughs> but I don't know. Wow. Well, no, I, you don't need to give me a number. I was, thinking, like, oh, I was 16 when I was deciding between uh, law school and performing arts, right? No. Um, well, that's different though, because I feel like, you know, as far as deciding what to do, I just was always doing it. And so right. even in high school, I was taking voice lessons at a community college and then gaining college credit at the same time. And it's called dual enrollment for any yep. high school kids that are not aware. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then I think I just kept doing things in that world. And then people started paying me, I guess, at a certain point, and it just like didn't stop. I just found ways to perform, even if I had to make it up, you know. So. Well, that's that's fun. And, and it kind of leads me to to my next question, I guess, is you mentioned being bullied when you were younger. So you were you were two years younger in school. Like, did you start school early? Was that... Was that yeah, part of it? it was actually the last year they allowed people to do that. So I, I skipped first grade because I already knew how to read and write. And mm. then I was five when everybody else was seven. Wow, that's so, a big difference. And you know, it is. It is a big difference. And I, I don't think I would let my kid do that if I, you know, if I ever had a kid, I would not <laughs> let them do that. Um, just because I feel like socially, like it's, it's something it was hard, you know, like kids are, can be really mean. And yeah. like, it was, it was like, Oh my God, you're really little. And they just started that way. And it was just saying that, um, yeah, it was just, there's just a lot of bullying and it was like a really lonely time, like in school. Um, but I actually wrote a book, a little children's book years ago called the adventures of little Eva, the talent show. And it was like basically about bullying and the importance of being and accepting who you are and all that kind of thing. But it was definitely inspired by, that experience. Um, so the bullying and where where are you in line of in the order of your siblings? I'm the middle. So you're right in the right in the middle, right? Okay. So I'm just trying to get. I always I'm always curious as to what it is about performing and to what it is about being on stage that attracts people. And sometimes it's the mm. validation. Sometimes it's the like the need to be seen. And you said you said something that kind of struck a chord with me that you said um, being on stage is where you were most comfortable. Like you were, you found a home there. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I, I think I understand your question. It's like, it's hard to pinpoint what it is that makes you love performing, you know, cause I'm sure part of it was the attention at one point. Right. Like I'm sure, I'm sure that's a part of it, but um, I think there's something to be said about the experience of losing yourself in a character and then it's not about you at all. You're just like being free in somebody else's skin and you're being freely them or you're free in a song. And you're just like, how, how can I like lose myself in the song? How can I be free? And I think as humans, we're always searching for that feeling of freedom in some way. And so even though performing, it's like, look at me, look at me. It's also like, not that at all. Sometimes it's like, how much can I lose myself in what I'm doing and experience freedom 
by losing the ego, you know? So it's a weird, I mean, I'm, I've never tried explaining that, I guess. So sorry, it was not very articulate. Um, but yeah, there's also, um, I just feel like all, whatever my worries are and whatever I'm stressed out about in life or, or just, you know, thinking about or wanting, like I, I can't take that with me on stage. And if ever I do, I have to make it part of whatever I'm doing, you know? So there's a sense of like, it's almost like meditation when you're not thinking you're just in the moment and you're so in the moment that it, I think that it's a, it's an addictive feeling in that way because you, because of the, the liberation of just experiencing being present, I think. Well, that's, that's what athletes call being in the zone, right? Or, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in the zone. You found your flow. Flow is the new term that everyone's throwing around. Like, flow. In, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So, so you're on stage and you are this other person. And in addition, you know, the, the singing and the, the performing, the energy, the vibrations, uh, the physical, the physics of performing, the science behind performing. Like I, I just, anybody listening right now, I want someone to just start up this study about how people's brain chemistry, it's probably out there, how people's brain chemistry changes when they sing or when they're listening to, to certain types of music. Mm. And Tanya Pinkins told me once, she said that our brains uh, cannot mimic, like we, 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 I'm trying to phrase this a little bit more eloquently than I am. Um, our brains have to practice being empathetic by actually being in the moment. We can't imagine it. Right. So live theater allows us to experience ups and downs and be empathetic for characters without actually seeing people die or without actually seeing people get shot or hurt or whatnot. Like we're, we're seeing a recreation of a story and our brains are reacting to that authentically, but it's not actually happening. Like people aren't dying and getting hurt, right? Right. So that's, part of why chemically we are addicted to theater and then you add on the vibrations of the singing on top of it. And it's mm. just this big package that creates this perfect home for people. I love that. Yeah. It's like a place to practice safe empathy. <laughs> yes. Yes. I exactly. Love that. I love that. And, and that I was reading on your, on your website too, that your latest, your latest single quicksand, right? Um, let me read it from your website, uh, is a haunting ballad that showcases her talent as both a singer and songwriter. And then you're quoted as saying, I was inspired to write quicksand because at the moment I felt stuck. I was frustrated that I seemed to be in a negative loop. So was that an in quarantine writing? Did, is that a recent, recent no. thing? Or? I mean, I actually, I put out quicksand last year. Oh, really? And then I actually was thinking of putting together a video in quarantine. <laughs> so I might actually put that, put that out. Um, but no, that was, that was, uh, it's interesting, that feeling of being stuck of patterns of repeating something and like finding yourself, like maybe the names changed or the details changed, which are kind of in the same exact situation. And just like the, the frustration that came with that was how that song was born. Like, why is that? <laughs> you know, and like the more you try and get out of it, like the, the lyric, I think is like quicksand, the more I fight, the deeper I fall in or something like that. And, um, and that's, that was just that, I guess, but it's funny. It could have been quarantine related. It just wasn't. <laughs> well, it's, it was when reading that, I was like, Oh, latest. Okay. Like, I don't know how recently the website was updated. So obviously it was last year, but that it was actually, when you just said that, I, I was surprised to hear it was last year. Cause that's in the middle of 
of Hades Town and the height of Well, I didn't actually write it last year. It was a song I had because I was so busy with all things Hades Town related. I didn't get a chance to write as much as I normally do. And I was wanting to put out music and I wanted to do stuff. So I took a song I had written. I actually had written it for CeeLo. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, maybe he would and then um and I just was like I like that song a lot. Maybe I'll just put it out. So that was I had written it probably a little bit before that. So, so what, what were you feeling stuck about, though? I mean, what in your daily life, commuting between Jersey and Manhattan and all this stuff, you know, like I was reading your bio at the beginning, like you're successful, you're good, you're talented. Thank and, you so much, Alan. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> and I mean, you are. It's like if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere and you're making it. You're doing a good job. And 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 like I I this is sort of a question I know the answer to, but I want you to talk about it because okay. like a therapist told me once, wherever you go, there you are, right? This is, this is internal and it's, it could be imposter syndrome. It could be ego. It could be so many things. It's different for everybody. Right. So like, talk about your side of this. About feeling stuck and where, yeah, yeah. Oh like my you're, gosh, you're getting deep, Alan. Here we go. I don't mind. Do it. Do it. <laughs> well, I think definitely, um, I think it was in a lot of different ways. I can't remember what inspired that song. It might've been a relationship, right? It might have been dating the same kind of guy. I've been like, why am I dating the same kind of guy? Like, why is this happening again? Um, so I, it could have been that or that it starts off a certain way, but then it it turns out to be something else. And I just I couldn't understand it. So I think there was some soul searching that had to be done there. Um, but I, I think it also in different ways, um, for example, musically, I've always loved when I see like jazz musicians, for example, and they're just like improvising over all these chord changes and all these modes. And, you know, like it's so, it seems so effortless and that theory side of it. Like, I mean, I've, I went to music school, like I, I learned a lot of that stuff, but I didn't formally, I was never formally trained to improvise. So I can just make stuff up as I do. <laughs> but um, even just like having that theory or, you know, even on guitar too, like I, I knew like basic guitar. So then I was, it is a little bit of that imposter syndrome where you're like, well, I can, I can get by, but I want to be really good. And how do I get good? And so I realized that um, competence breeds confidence. So if you actually work on whatever it is that you want to do, or even in life, like if there's a quality that you want to, you like in somebody else, you could develop it in yourself so that you feel like the person that you want to be, you know? So as, a, you know, during this quarantine, I ended up, taking a guitar class at Berkeley Music Online. And it was fantastic. It was like all the chords and all like the, you know, theory stuff and just like, you know, and it was it was good to like learn all that on an instrument. And now I've been like kind of working with somebody and, and taking lessons and just really trying to like get deeper within music and be like, okay, let me let me get fancier with my, <laughs> you know, with like with what I can do. And that makes me feel like I'm growing, you know, and I think that part of being stuck is like you could be working, you could be successful, and that could be great. But I think you want to feel like you're making progress. Is is my whole thing, um, and so yeah, I guess I guess you want to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I guess feeling stuck was just from from finding that I was still at the same level, and I wanted. And in reality, when you look back, you're never at the same level. You're always a little further ahead. So it is definitely like a mental thing. Like I'm, not, <laughs> I can recognize that. But, um, but yeah, and I think that now I don't see it so much as like, 
feeling stuck anymore. I think I used to have that perception of it. Like, Oh my gosh, it's just like a revolving door. Like it's a, it's a pattern. It's a, you know, it's a cycle. But in reality, every time we do have patterns in our life, I feel like we're just trying to figure out how to break the pattern. So we're going to create a situation that will allow us the opportunity to figure it out. So if we, so if we treat everything that happens to us, every experience that we're like, ah, oh, this is happening. It's like, well, why is it happening? And if we could just change our outlook on life on, on those moments, and I guess like figuring out like actively, internally, like what's the lesson here? How can I... How can I like <laughs> pass this test or whatever it is? Then I find that those things end up kind of falling to the wayside and then you get the next challenge. And then we just, so I think we might always feel like we're stuck, but we're not. We're just kind of growing. And Exactly. No, you, you know? cut from the same cloth, you and I. I. I get that. And that's like why I get bored in quarantine and build a wall with fiber optics in it. it. <laughs> and, and, you know, like I'm looking for home improvement projects. And I, and, and, you know, but when you look around, look at all the things you've got. And he's like, five years ago, five minutes ago, you know, I didn't have all this stuff. I didn't have this knowledge. And, and you're obviously growing. You've got the film that, that you, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, right? So you've got the film, you've got the Broadway, you've got the art, the, the indie stuff, and you're always creating, and you're always thinking, and always having new experiences. So yes, I agree with you 100%. It's all about your mindset because you get used to, you know, it, it, 10 years ago, look at, if you could talk to yourself, you know, present self 10 years ago, um, would you think like, oh man, I'd be on Broadway and I'd be writing songs for CeeLo and I'd be going to Orlando to film movies? Like, this is insane. That won't happen to me. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, so now you've got this and just my advice I guess my ask of you is just to stop for a minute, maybe at the end of this interview or when you listen to it back again and just be like, yeah, you know, I got this. I love that. I got this. I got this. <laughs> well, I love what you're saying too, because you know, something I've been learning during this quarantine and I know it's like, an, it's not a new idea by any means, but it's definitely something that made sense to me for some reason recently, which is the idea or the power really of positive thinking. Yes. As cheesy as it sounds, like there's this thing I've been doing where um, I've been noticing my own thoughts and I've been noticing when I'm a bully to myself mm. and I've been noticing when I'm like encouraging and when I feel like optimistic and like anything's possible and there's so much more like it's like such a higher frequency to be positive, you know, and it's like, I, I don't know. So I've, I've been doing this little exercise like as of not that long ago, where I basically imagine what it feels like when I'm already where I want to be, whether that's in my personal life or in my professional life or whatever it is, or like my ability to give back to the world or whatever it is, like, what does that feel like? And then kind of live in that space for five minutes. And it's amazing because like when you do that, then like you probably can't do some of the things that actually do keep you in the same place, like procrastination right? Because you're too busy, like, oh, like feeling inspired to, to do the thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, it, it, I think, I think that's the, the, the emotional or the mental version of dress for the job you want, not the one you yes. have. Yes. Oh my God. That's so good. So that's what, that's what somebody told me once. There was a, a, a friend of mine from college, my friend Byron. He, he listens to the podcast all the time too. So, hey, Byron, shout out to you. Love hey, you. Byron. Um, <laughs> 
he would like in college, right? All of us are rock, walking around in like ratty hats and flip flops and shorts. And he always just had like a nice shirt and some well, well pressed pants or whatnot. Mm. And where I was like, that guy just, he just looks good. He just, I want to work with him simply because he just presents himself as like this well put together guy. And, and I asked him once, I said, why do you, when, why, if it's hot out, why are you wearing pants? He's like, dress for the job you want, not the one you got. And, I, and he was preparing himself now and now he's successful and all this stuff. And, and I love that idea. And what you said is perfect mental, mental version of that. It's just like, sit down. It's probably a form of meditation for you too, right? So you're, you're, yeah. con- you're focusing on it. It's funny. My dad just told me that too, about dressing for the job you want. So when he came here from Cuba, like he didn't have any money. He barely spoke English. It was like the whole, he had to start from scratch. And at one point he had worked his way up to being like an insurance salesman, like a door to door insurance salesman. And I remember when we were going to school, he'd always, in fact, I have a picture of him, my dad and my, and me, is that right? Is that correct English? My dad and me, <laughs> like he's wearing a suit and tie and he has this like sky blue Cadillac. <laughs> it was like the car when we were growing up. And and I remember just thinking everything was always great. And I asked him about it one time and he was like, basically telling me that he wasn't even doing very well at the time, but he would always wear a suit and tie and, and drive like a decent car so that cl- potential clients would like think he had it going on. And I was like, man, that was so cool. And I, all this time I was, I just assumed everything was fine, but we like, didn't necessarily have a lot of money for a long time, you know, it was really inspiring to, to hear that. I just had this epiphany. That's like the, that was the, at the time, that's like modern day social media where all you're presenting is your positive experiences. Wow. Yeah, totally. Oh man. That's like if so you have a hundred thousand followers and all you're doing is posting happy beach bikini pictures or whatnot, but you're going through uh, a hardcore depression, people, you know, if you don't want to, post about it then people think you're just wearing a suit and tie and driving a sky blue Cadillac right I mean people still do that I guess you know like I I was living in LA before I moved to New York and you'll see people that are like not even employed and they're like in these really nice cars mm-hmm. and it's all about like giving people the perception that you're successful and this and that and there must be something to that for sure um but it's it's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I guess there's got to be a balance, though, because if you're yeah. putting yourself into more mental anguish going into debt driving a Ferrari... Hello. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's taking it too far. Yeah. You know, like... Oh, man. Jeez, uh, I wish... I got a psych minor, a psychology minor in college. And, cool. And, and so I always want to dig into this. And I feel like sometimes I would be a, a halfway decent shrink, but... I don't know if I could listen to people's problems all day. Then maybe not, Alan. Maybe, maybe not. That's so cool that you, that you have that degree, though, because I, I think psychology is so fascinating. And you can tell that you did, actually, because you just jumped right into. So tell me about how you felt stuck. <laughs> like, you just jumped right in. Well, no, it's just, it's... Which it's I love. Funny. It's like, I, I, spent, I spent so much of my life pretending I didn't have problems because mm. that's what I felt I was supposed to do and felt it and feeling I felting and feeling <laughs> isolated in my, in my problems or because of it, because I didn't think anybody else, nobody else talked about it either. And so like now, especially I found my home on, on stage and singing and, and, you know, I was one of the Broadway hopefuls for a while and 
that was just where I sort of found my tribe of people where like I was bullied too. And because I was the nerd, I was the, the computer geek, which wasn't cool at that time. We would have been would. friends, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, bullied and, and picked on and outcast. And it was weird because it was like in the sports crowd, it was cool. But then as soon as I left the soccer field, I was just like this, dork that nobody wanted to hang out with again and it was this weird dichotomy and then I grew up in the south where religion came into a part of it and because I didn't go to church I was outcast which to me was this whole hypocrisy of like I thought you were supposed to be accepting and of everybody but yet I don't belong you know so mm-hmm. I, tons and tons of confusion and I didn't talk about it didn't talk about any of it and then it's like finally a couple of years ago I just started seeing a therapist regularly and it was just like it wasn't, you know, one of those moments like you see in the movies because those aren't real. This was like, oh, I'm cured. Like, there's no cure. And that's what it was. It was mm-hmm. find the way to express yourself. Find the way to feel comfortable in your own skin. And don't try to fix things. There's no fixing. It's dealing with who you are. It's accepting who you are and using it to your advantage rather than letting it bring you down. Hence, this podcast, this is, this is a form of my therapy because I love love having these personal conversations. Like we've never met, we've never talked before this, this conversation and we still haven't met in person. We're doing this virtually over the internet in quarantine. And I, 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 I just crave human connection, especially now in quarantine. So that's why I want to just like, I want to be able to stare into your eyes here and we're, our brains are releasing serotonin and because you know that's the that's the the bonding the bonding chemical that makes us love to hug and when you're hugging when you hold hands like the best time when you know, like you're in bed with a partner and skin to skin contact your whole body like that's just massive massive serotonin releasing and you also get small doses of that right now while you and I are looking like I'm looking at your eyes on screen me but, too I'm covering my face so I don't see myself <laughs> I'm just looking at you yeah, I have my notes over my side of the screen too, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah like I'm looking at you as if we were face to face and it's it makes us feel like we are bonding our brains because we're herd we're herd animals we've evolved from herd mentality and we feel safer in groups and in numbers and that's evolution for you yeah. but and we find that on stage i, I strongly feel mm, it totally because you're 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 going through rehearsal sometimes can be a form of trauma and you're going through all this high stakes emotional journey with people eight times a week after yeah. the emotion the real life emotional journey of creating character and putting it on stage and going through tech and and you're you know you, all of that that goes into making a broadway show let alone anything else right yeah so anyway that's i love i love this stuff sorry i just i get i get very excited about talking about the emotional and the chemical responses to <laughs> to conversations oh, and making new friends a hundred percent and i love what you said about theater though because that is so true you know you have so many hours that you're putting into creating something with these people that are like-minded individuals right and you're all creating something that you love so everybody loves what they're doing there because it's i mean who does theater unless you love it it's not like you do it for the money <laughs> you know right, right. so you do it i mean so you have all this love and like these people with the, with hearts that are like are wanting to express themselves and to to co-create something beautiful and so there's already like intrinsic intrinsically like a beautiful energy to start with and it's just such a bonding experience like that's what we were saying earlier it feels like home and you know that community it's like i don't think i've ever had 
stronger, uh, you know, outside of like family or friends and stuff like that. But like in a work environment, like theater is for sure the most bonding. It's your I chosen think, family. Yeah, it really is. It's a good chosen family too. Because these people, especially at this level, are committed to the craft. You have to be, to be able to sustain this level, again, eight, eight times a week for all, you know, with all the press tours in like Town specifically won the Tony last year for best musical and won, got all these other Tony awards and all these other nominations. And the press must have been insane, right? And you're doing that on top of your normal eight show regime and some people have kids and some people have kids with special needs and some people have relationships or parents that are going through trouble. And you don't see this. Like that's, that's again, it's, it's the suit and tie with the sky blue Cadillac, right? You're only seeing the positive stuff, but all of these people are going through so much other regular life issues yeah. all the time. And it's, it's very, very impressive to me. And I, I, you know, take my hat off to you and everybody else uh, at that level. It's, it's so so hard to maintain it and you're you're crushing it. You're doing good. Thanks, Alan. I feel so supported. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so now with the Broadway Buskers, you're writing, you've you've written your own music, right? You're performing, you performed your own music. Actually, it just happened a couple of days ago as we yeah. were recording this episode. So um everyone go to uh timesquarenyc.org slash Broadway Buskers or facebook.com slash timesquarenyc, or youtube.com slash timesquaretsq, and you can see all of Yvette's performances and whatnot. But um, what brought you to the buskers? Why, I mean, especially now in quarantine times, like, how, is it expression? Money? Motivation? Oh, like what? <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know I was going to get paid. I was like, ooh, that was a surprise. <laughs> I was actually just doing it because I, I miss performing. And um, this whole quarantine, a lot of people have been, you know, asking me to do videos for charities or to raise money for this or that. And so I've just been saying yes to like a lot of them. Not all of them because you have to say no to. But I've definitely been saying yes to a lot of them. And then I, I started wanting to just perform my original music again. And so I... I heard of them and I was like, oh, that, that might be cool. And then they reached out. So I was just excited. And now I'm actually looking for some other opportunities to perform because I miss it. And I, and I actually like excited about um, trying out like some different songs and like crafting them a little bit, you know, and I want to record some of them and maybe like very soon and like put them out in a couple months, just like a little quarantine EP, nothing crazy. Um, yeah. I think just cause I like it. I enjoy, it's fun to play music and it's fun to, I was really happy I got to play with uh, like a really talented guitar player, uh, Seth Johnson. So we got to play music together. And that was always fun because it's been isolating to not have that live music experience. Um, so I think, yeah, I did it for so many reasons. <laughs> and I hope to do more. So that was just the first of many. Hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> very many. Are, you, are you isolated here in, in Jersey right now? Are you by yourself? Well, I've been I've been quarantining lately with uh with a friend and then I have been seeing some friends again, but we've been doing these like social distancing hangs with like the mask and even mm -hmm. it's outdoors and all that. But um yeah, I mean it's still so weird, you know. And actually where I live it's really nice. There's um all my neighbors know each other. So like they get together and, the, and there's like a, a like a park area and people like get together and but it's it's kind of strange like um I don't know. Like the isolation is still kind of a big challenge, 
You know, you don't yeah. quite get used to it. What about you? Are you isolating? You have your family, right? Yeah, I'm with I'm with my wife and my two little kids. And yeah, I'm so like, I gotta get out. I gotta just get out of here. Really? Oh, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> got oh, it. Man, like, I mean, I love them. I love them, obviously. Um, but they're, you know, it's it's a lot. Um, yeah. I and the, ki- the kids don't quite. I mean, they, they don't know kind of any difference. One just turned four and the other is five and a half. So the five and a half year old, you know, knows, remembers what it was like to not wear a mask outside. And the four and a half or four year old, he's just like, all right, cool. You know, whatever. He's, he's fine. It's, it's normal life. But mm. like, we just went to the, to the Bronx Zoo for the first time. How was it? It was interesting. Um, we can like all the inside stuff, the gorillas were closed because, uh, you, you know, they didn't want people close together and you actually had to get an appointment time to go in. You buy your ticket and wow. you're allowed to go in within a certain hour window. And that's, that's when you have to go. So they don't want everybody showing up at once. And it's, i like that things are starting to reopen. Um, and in, in this area, at least it's, everyone's wearing their mask, right? You've got other states that are just fucking stupid. Um, but everyone, please wear masks. I mean, Let's seriously, just... guys, people, Come on. it's real. Yeah. It's not going over uh, there yet. <laughs> but I want to, I do, I want to hug, I want to hug people. I want to hug my friends. And again, that you know, the chemical release in your brain when you can hold hands with somebody or hug somebody and get that tight hug of yeah. like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long and it feels so good just to be in the same room with you again. And I, I, Cannot wait. I don't know how theater is going to reopen anytime soon. I cannot wait to sit in an audience and have a shared emotional experience with people again. Mm, yeah, that's going to be incredible when that happens again. I don't know when that's going to happen again, but it's going to... I mean, I heard actually... Where was it? I think it was like somewhere overseas that they were doing some production of Phantom, actually. Mm-hmm. You about South, South Korea. South Korea. And that was now there's an outbreak in South Korea again. And now there's an outbreak. It was because of that show. Because of Phantom. <laughs> Honestly, guys. <laughs> Damn it, Phantom. Damn it, Phantom. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I've been hearing lately, though, just as far as like the future of theater goes, um, that they're starting... I don't know if this is public knowledge, but I'll just not say the name. That they're filming another show, just like they did for Hamilton. But they're like doing a version of that and for like Netflix. And they're trying to like film shows now. And yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, well, it was announced that the Diana musical is doing that. Is that what you're talking about? Well, there's the Diana one. And then there's another thing that that's going on where they're doing oh. like a green screen. Oh. Interesting. Just, for another show. Oh, but yeah, the Diana one as well. I heard about that the other day and I was like, okay, because they were across the street from Hadestown. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, I guess they're going to do like a green screen musical movie. So every actor will go in and do their part like in front of a green screen and then they'll, I guess, add the environments and the backgrounds. I'm not sure. That sounds super expensive and good luck to everybody. <laughs> but evidently something like that is uh, also in the works. I mean, if you can <laughs> put out a movie like Cats, I'm sure what you're describing is plenty doable. And oh my cheaper. God, you just went there. I didn't see Cats. <laughs> well, and were you high enough? <laughs> well, we actually went, a, a group of us from Town. we like, we we went and we all uh it was an interesting moment. We we were like, should we have a drinking game? Like how should we get through this moment? It was yeah. it was interesting. Well, it was unfinished. I saw the unfinished <laughs> version. Oh no, how did that I mean, happen? 
Well, I don't know. I don't know. When, did you see it like a couple weeks after it was released or, or original? Like no. around Christmas time? Oh, God, that's a good question. I'm not, I don't remember when we saw it. It was, I mean, it was in the theater, so I would assume. Right. So Tom Hooper, Tom Hooper delivered the final cut to the screen for the press screening three hours before it was needed. So they were finishing it right up to the wire. And, and there were scenes where like Mistopheles is conjuring, doing his thing. And you can see, I know uh, you could, you could see uh, unfinished computer generation. Yeah. And there were scenes like the dancing. They actually had shoes in real life when they were filming, but they had they replaced their shoes with feet. But when they lifted up their feet, you could see the soles of their shoes. I think did I see that? Because I remember being like, "How come their paws look separate from their like like their hands?" Right. Were like separate. I don't know if that was on right. purpose or. No, it was unfinished. It was an unfinished movie because they had to deliver it. Isn't that crazy? So then he, oh. so then they finished it, delivered a new version. So then, depending on when you saw it, you either mm -hmm. saw the finished, finished. I put in air quotes because it was still a steaming pile of cat poo. Um, or <laughs> I wonder <laughs> okay. then if I saw the unfinished version because I definitely noticed have. things like that, and I was like, that's kind of strange because you think about the budget for the film, and I'm like, man. But um, hey, listen. I'm no one to judge. <laughs> you make your art and I'm <laughs> Well, you know what? You know what my my theory on this is, and this is way off the rails, so but I don't care. It is that it came out the same day as the Star Wars movie, which I also think was a bad choice. <laughs> and I believe all of the great animators slash animation houses were working on Star Wars. Mm. So they got probably like a second rate animation studio or some not the best people to work on cats and you get what you get. You get, get what you pay for. Oh, wow. That's that was, a good that's theory. My theory. My theory. It would make I mean, that's very possible. Who knows? But those are the kind of things I'm like, how did that happen? Like, how did a film get turned in unfinished of that level? And it's already a risky choice to make cats the movie. The musical, <laughs> you know, like that's a risky choice. Yeah, I mean, um, but you want to make sure all your, your ducks are in a row and everything is like perfect when you turn it in. I don't know. These things happen. <laughs> Very much so, and oh, I don't know. Anyway, but, <laughs> um, maybe we'll see Hades Town filmed for for Netflix. Is that what you're? Oh is that what God, you're trying I to wish. No, trust me. I've actually <laughs> I've pitched it several times to a couple producers. I'm like. Like from Hades Town, I was like, guys, they should make a movie and we should just quarantine everybody. Like, you know, like the whole Tyler Perry and a few other people that are doing films and stuff. They just quarantine everybody for a couple of weeks mm -hmm. and then everyone gets together. You don't leave the space, right? It's like, you, maybe there's a hotel situation we could figure out, but like. That's what the NBA is doing. Exactly. And then you just shoot it like a movie and then go back and do it. I think, I, I'm not sure it would work because they have a, a tour for Hades Town. And so it might reduce ticket sales. I don't know. I mean, look at Hamilton. Hamilton is on demand with like three or four tours ready to go back. See? Right? Like there if go. it's good, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, I, people, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. No, I, I don't think it is, unfortunately. But we'll see. Well, being, being an indie artist and and in the Broadway scene and in the voiceover scene and everything that you're doing and you're doing, obviously, getting cast for TV and film. Where do you see, what's your theory on where you see things going when, I'll put in air quotes, life returns to normal? Because now, 
you know, I'm, I'm helping produce some things that are written and going to be recorded entirely in quarantine. They're written for quarantine. So the, the even press tours now, publicists realize that it's just as effective to do a virtual call like this than it is to have you travel to a city and do a press junket and whatever yeah. the case is. So like, where do you see this going? I mean, I feel like what you just said is so true. Like a lot of a lot of situations that we used to do in person and, you know, you travel 30 minutes, maybe an hour to get somewhere. And then you're like, I could have done this over the phone, right? <laughs> that didn't have to be an actual in-person meeting, but I feel like there's a lot of those things that might continue to stay virtual. Um, but there's also obviously like the other things like the live performances, you know, and maybe select press moments or, you know, whatever that you really can't replace it with zoom. You know, like I, I actually saw a concert the other day, uh, it was a live streamed concert and it was great. I mean, she's such a talented artist, but it was just her. And you, like in between songs, like where one might talk and you hear the audience talk back or it, those moments didn't quite happen. So it was like awkward. And then there was just something about it that it didn't like quite move me as much. Right. And I just feel like there's certain things like live theater, for example, like live music in general that like you really can't replace, you know? So I do think a lot of those things are going to come back and then we're all going to be so grateful, you know? And if people ever did a mosh pit, like they are like, yes, this is great. <laughs> you know, like all the things that people might miss. But um, yeah, but I think a lot of things might stay virtual, you know, a lot of these kind of things too. Like you don't have to go in person. Like, yeah, I think, I think press, Press engagements, I think, is going to be a lot more virtual. But I agree with you that, you know, even what I was saying earlier about having shared emotional experiences with with a crowd of strangers, like it kind of sounds creepy when you say it like that, but it's I think it's a, ne a necessary evil, right? Like to sit in an audience and hear everyone around you crying with you or laughing with you mm. or or gasping with you, whatever whatever that emotional response is, as an audience member too, for for people who might not be comfortable with with expression, that validates your own feelings 100%. because it is like, oh, oh, I'm feeling this way, and they are too. Okay, cool. I'll let myself feel more of this. That's so Whereas, true. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't think about that because I. That's so true. I mean, I'm that person. Like, I will ugly cry by myself in a theater. <laughs> like, I am just that person. But but you're right. There's some people that don't feel comfortable showing their emotion and and, and being upset or, or being sad, and and then maybe the person next to them is totally cool, you know, calm and everything, but maybe the person two people down or whatever is like a hot mess. So it's like, okay, I guess it's okay. Like it would validate you. That's such a good point. Yeah. Oh man. Life theater. Nothing, nothing beats it. Art heals. Art, art will heal. Art can heal. That's why I think so much, there's going to be some great stuff that's starting to come out. I mean, we've been in quarantine, what, six months now? Gosh. Has it already um, been six months? Oh, wow. March 11th, right? That, Broadway yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's wow. month three. We're in month eight. So five and a half months or so. Mm, yeah. So crazy. Um, yeah. So it's kind of nuts. Um, but God, I I cannot wait for for theater to come back and just to be able to to really go out and and connect with people because when you collaborate and when you're in person, again, that energy, the the excitement that builds together and body language and like uh, bo both of us are leaning into the this I know, call here. It's so true. We're just like <laughs> trying to get a better view. <laughs> right, right. Um, but there there's all the unconscious body language. It's uh, anyway, I'm 
going off the rails, but it's very important. And please just, everybody, wear your mask. Let's just make this better. Wear we'll your mask back. and everybody vote. Don't forget to vote this election. Okay. Just oh, right. throwing it in there. <laughs> well, that too, because on your Instagram too, you call yourself, you have activists like in your, in your profile, right? So tell me about like what you're trying to do in that regard. I'm like, wait, what's on my profile? Let me read my profile. <laughs> Um, no, I, there's just a lot of causes that are important to me and, um, I try and get involved however I can. Um, I, I started a nonprofit called creative minds care and, but that's actually to raise money for Alzheimer's research, which ironically enough this year during the pandemic, we raised like a whole bunch of money. <laughs> so now we're donating it to the Fisher, uh, Fisher lab, at Rockefeller university. Cause they do amazing, they're doing mm-hmm. amazing research. Um, but yeah, like whenever I can get involved with different things, whether it's education or, you know, you know, voting or just anything, you know, L E T Q, all the letters, you know, like anything that I can get involved with really. Um, but yeah, I guess I just, I should probably look at my bio. <laughs> what did it say on there? <laughs> I'm like, you can delete um, all of those, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Just equal rights really. You know, I feel like it's so, it's so crazy that we have some of the issues that we still have, you know, like it's, it's shocking to me that we have to have black lives matter. Cause like, I know mean, we do, like we, we still don't have equality like across the board. So it's such an important issue, but it's always, um, I think it's important to at least know what side of the fence you're on, you know, and what side of the fight you're on and like to not be silent about things. Cause silence is like, you know, you're still taking the side. Mm-hmm. when you're silent but um yeah <laughs> well send me send me whatever you want to plug um and we'll put it in the episode notes i'll wrap up this episode here with the three standard closing questions that i ask everybody on the podcast here the first one very simply is what motivates you what motivates me that's a good question um progress i think like going deeper and being better, whether it's in my art or as a human, but the desire to um, experience my potential and my core and the truth is a big motivating factor for me. And love, obviously. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Uh, I would always say keep working on your craft. That's always my go-to. You know, always keep learning. Um, I had a teacher saying, there's always a deeper deep and I love that. So I always, always keep being better and, and, and be staying curious about what it is that you love. Um, and also just to, like I said, just to keep growing as a person, I guess, because you can only be who you are. So you might as well be the best version of yourself. Like keep growing, keep growing. I love that. I love that too. Great answers. Okay, final question, hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh, Hades Town. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Although I'm in it, so that might be hard, but still. <laughs> I was going to say, with you in it or like a recording or live with, uh, live. with a swinger and understudy? Live, always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I would see it from stage. I would. <laughs> No, Hades sounds a good show, though. I love it. Um, oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. That was my shameless yeah. plug for our show. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, it's it's one of the best. <laughs> cool. So where can we find you on the social medias? I am on the social medias. I am Yvette Nasir, Y-V-E-T-T-E-N-A-C-E-R, on pretty much everything. 
and it's my website. And I'm Yvette Nasir on Spotify. I have some songs out there. And um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Show your support at thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast on Facebook as well. Please leave a rating and send me a review wherever you're listening now. This has been edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thank you to our friends, Jukebox the Ghost, for the intro and outro music and event. Thank you. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I love talking to you, Alan. Thank you so much for having me and for sharing your heart. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. You too. I think we are kindred spirits in some form. Indeed. (laughs) Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.